Eat Drink DFW from the Dallas Morning News is made possible by Central Market. Hey, North Texas food fans, welcome to Eat Drink DFW from the Dallas Morning News. Each week we dish on the local restaurant scene, food and drink trends, cooking and shopping tips, and unpack everything that makes North Texas one of the most vibrant, diverse, and ambitious food scenes in the country. I'm your host, food editor Aaron Bookie, and today we're talking about back to school. We have Trina Nelson, executive chef of Dallas Independent School District, to talk about the important role schools play in feeding children. And in DISD, that means thousands of meals a day. It's a really big job and really fascinating. Then we hear from the Dallas women who launched an espresso martini in a can. It's going to be really fun, and it all gets started right after this. Central Market is really into food. Like fish flown in so fresh it still has jet lag into food. Our sourdough starter has been around since grunge was a thing into food. We're talking more prime cuts than a greatest hits album into food. Central Market is really into food. If you are too, then we're the HQ for you. Whether you're a make-every-recipe-in-the-cookbook foodie or a my-favorite-recipe-is-reheat type who just digs the delectable, no place makes every day more delicious like Central Market. Really into food. Shop now at centralmarket.com. Welcome back, everyone. We're so excited to have you here for our show. This is going to be a good one, so be sure to visit dallasnews.com food after this for detailed show notes of everything we talk about. And if you want us to answer your questions or talk about something specific, send us a voice memo via our form at dallasnews.com food or email us at eatdrink at dallasnews.com. Later on, we'll be talking to Trina Nelson of Dallas ISD. But right now, I'm joined by food reporters Sarah Blaskovich and Claire Baller. Since we're on the topic of school lunches, I thought we would talk about how we grew up and what we ate at school. Sarah, do you have, I know you always have some good food stories from your childhood. What did you eat at school? Yeah, I was the kid who came with the healthy lunch. And (laughs) I was never thrilled by this as a kid. It was a sandwich on wheat bread and some baby carrots or an apple. And that was usually it. I remember (laughs) as a kid looking at other people's lunches and being like, man, that seems better than mine. And I remember one very specific day sometime in elementary school when I went home to my mom and I said, mom, there are these cookies and they have chocolate on the outside and white stuff on the inside. And you can kind of twist them and open them. You can eat them separate or you can (laughs) eat them apart. Have you heard of Oreos. (laughs) And my mom was like, oh, sure. Those aren't super good for you. I, they're probably in the cookie aisle. And of course we all know now that like my mom totally held out on me about Oreos. I learned about them like five years after everybody else did. So I have all kinds of funny little uh, unhealthy items that I just wished I had as a kid and never did. Like Pringles. I love Pringles. I, to this day, love Gushers. Those fruit snacks that you really only eat those in elementary school. I think I would eat a whole packet of those right now if somebody would give me them. (laughs) So did you kind of rebel? I always have that, you know, fear with my own kid forcing too much healthy stuff on him and not giving him those treats. Sure. I kind of did want those things when I was old enough to buy them myself. And so I was also raised Catholic. So like tons of guilt. So yes, I want these unhealthy treats, but I also know they are not good for me. So this Catholic guilt keeps me from buying them constantly. But like if I would get a good grade on a test or if I would get through something difficult, that warranted a sleeve of Pringles or some Gushers for me and my roommates. Like this is how you combine the Catholic kid who ate healthfully with the reward I had earned myself. And I think I'm still sort of like that. I'm somebody who, I don't know, goes and grabs a coffee or a milkshake when it's right to do. But I would I would never dream of doing that even today if I didn't earn it. Would you guys like swap 
food at school lunches? Like, were you allowed to do that? Nobody wanted what was in my lunch. I did grow up to be a person who understands how to eat healthfully, and I was a dancer for most of my childhood. And so fuel for your body really matters. That stuck with me. Like, there are good things about getting the boring lunch, but there are certainly bad things too. What about you, Claire? What do you remember from your school lunch days? It was always a sandwich, either a PB&J or like a turkey sandwich fruit. And then my mom would put like some sort of little small treat and a note. There was always a note in my lunch for my mom. Oh, wow. You had the note, mom. Even if it was just like a little smiley face. But I was a kid with so much separation anxiety that my poor mom was like, oh my gosh, anything to make this kid not freak out at school. Um, sometimes we'd get gogurts. I'm a 90s kid. And my mom would freeze them. And so you would get it in your lunch. It would be like so cold and like a tiny bit icy in the middle. And it was my favorite thing. I grew up in Phoenix, so it was necessary for the heat. Oh, yeah. That's a tip right there. Yeah. Freeze the go-gurt. And then maybe twice a year, we would get to pick a Lunchables to take to school. Ooh, that's major. It was major. Okay. And you guys, the thing that you need to know about my childhood, I went to a very old-fashioned tiny, tiny school, like truly in the middle of nowhere in the desert. And at lunchtime, we had to like walk in a single file line to lunch in our uniforms Uh and sit in a silent lunchroom. We weren't allowed to talk while we were eating lunch and they would play classical music. What? And it was absolutely forbidden that you (laughs) traded any food. And so you would just be sitting there quietly listening to like Schubert and eating your, your lunch and just sitting there quietly eyeing everyone else's lunches. No. Yeah. And you know what? Honestly, I didn't mind it. It's very bizarre, and when I think about it, it's absolutely hilarious to me, but I didn't mind it. So I guess neither one of you really had the whole hot lunch at the cafeteria food, right? Eh, sometimes. Although I was given 25 cents for milk. Yeah. And when I got chocolate milk and my mom said not to, it was one of the earliest things I ever said in confession to the priest as a small Catholic (laughs) child. So no, I brought my lunch for the most part. What about you, Erin? I don't think my mom packed a whole lot of lunches. Like I think I was the hot lunch kid. And so I definitely had like my favorites. Yeah. I loved steak fingers. It was like steak finger day. I was super excited about. Um, Because it usually came with mashed potatoes and you could dip the steak fingers in the mashed potatoes. Oh, yeah. Good move. Erin, do you remember Wacky Cake? I don't. What is Wacky Cake? I'm curious if anybody listening remembers Wacky Cake. You should tell us at eatdrink at dallasnews.com. It is chocolate cake with chocolate frosting. Oh. And I think they just made a whole sheet of them and then cut them into small squares. Yeah. So, like, your square was pretty little. But it was the so rich and delicious. And I might enjoy, I'm now realizing, making some Wacky Cake at my house for my children. Yeah, I think that's basically Texas sheet cake. Yeah, except like there's no nuts. I don't know if Texas sheet cake has some zhuzh to it. This is chocolate cake, chocolate frosting, full stop. That you very much earned. Correct. Yes. I was always so jealous of kids who went to schools with cafeterias because the school that I went to, again, I said it was tiny. Oh, there wasn't a cafeteria. There was no cafeteria. Oh, wow. Growing up, seeing TV shows and movies of kids eating in these big school cafeterias, I thought was just the coolest thing ever. (laughs) And the thought of like having a tray and going up and getting food, like I just couldn't even fathom it. Okay, so another thing I have seen recently, I got an email from 7-Eleven saying that their fall drinks are already ready and available. (laughs) And that includes the pumpkin spice latte. (laughs) 
No. And it is still early August, technically. So this is extremely early. And I think we're still in multiple days of 100 plus degrees. And I went and looked up when Starbucks starts their pumpkin spice latte. And they say it's August 24th. So anyway, I'm just asking you guys, (laughs) when do you start drinking pumpkin spice lattes? Or am I the only one who does these? I think it has to be somewhat cold for me to drink one, or at least not hot. Yeah. But I also, I'm not a huge pumpkin spice latte person. I'll have like one a year maybe just to feel festive. Yeah. But yeah, this is too soon (laughs) for me. There's always like a holiday drink arms race of like who's going to get theirs out first. Great way to put it, Claire. It really is. Like since everyone has it now, which also I'm sitting here wondering, do you guys have any idea like who first did the pumpkin spice latte? Who do we blame or credit? Gosh, no. I don't know. Erin, have you had one yet already this year? Oh, no. I haven't had one yet this year, but I usually do get very excited. Like you said, it's kind of like a celebratory moment because I love fall. That is my most favorite holiday. I I hate to break it to you, but fall is not a holiday. So anyway, I love fall. It is my favorite season (laughs) holiday, although I celebrate it all season long. All right. Well, since it is almost fall and back to school, stay tuned as we talk next to the executive chef of Dallas ISD. Central Market is really into food. Like, when we say cheese, it's in 12 languages into food. Butchers, bakers, and sushi roll makers into food. We're talking so obsessive about quality you can shop blindfolded into food. Central Market is really into food. If you are too, then let us turn your shopping list into a treasure map. Get inspired, get adventurous, or just get a chef-made dinner when you've got more taste buds than time. No place makes every meal more amazing like Central Market. Really into food. Shop now at centralmarket.com. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Eat, Drink, DFW. We have a wonderful guest on the show today. Trina Nelson is the executive chef for Dallas Independent School District, and she just has the most fascinating and impactful job. And as we gear up for the start of another school year, Trina is here to talk about the important role schools play in feeding children. Hi, Trina. Welcome to the show. Hi, Erin. Thank you so much for having me. Since this is your first time on the show, can you just tell me a little bit about your background and how long you've been with DISD? Yes, definitely. So my background is I'm originally from Chicago, grew up in, you know, the neighborhood. So, you know, I know firsthand what it's like to not have enough to eat at home. Right. I moved here to Dallas in 2000. Uh, My daughter was one. She's now turning 24. We moved here to Dallas in 2000. I've been a chef instructor for Le Cordon Bleu here in Dallas. I did that for five and a half years. I worked for Brinker for a little bit as a general manager. And then I came over to the wonderful Dallas ISD. I've been with the district for six and a half years. Uh, My first role here was central kitchen manager. Our central kitchen works kind of like a commissary. We service our schools that don't have fully functioning kitchens. And now the district has this wonderful college program where our high school students, they can take college courses. And when they graduate, they're already two years into their college career. Wow. Yeah. And so these students, they take their classes at our local community college campuses, but we still have to feed them. So as part of food services, any student in our district, we have to make sure that they're fed, whether they're at one of our campuses or one of the college sites. And so we've got a program now where we've set up fully functioning vending machines at the college campuses where they can get a complete meal out of that machine. 
no cost to them. They type in their student ID and a full meal drops for them. Wow. The other thing that we're doing with these college kids now, we're like, okay, it's been a couple of years with just as vending food. We need to figure out how to get them some hot, full service style meals. This year, we're going to be rolling out what we call the chicken tender truck. So we're going to load up our delivery vehicles with nice hot chicken tenders, with all the fixings, and we'll be implementing that this year. And so right now, my role with the food services department has changed a bit. I'm no longer central kitchen manager. They've stepped me up. I am now the executive chef for the entire district. And yeah, right? (laughs) Love it. And so my role now is more of uh, consulting with our menu and procurement team as far as developing recipes, coordinating actual taste testings not just with the adults here in food services, but going out to the schools and letting the kids taste our recipes and give us their feedback. I think we were falling short before because we weren't doing as much of that. Mm -hmm. And we were really relying on, okay, uh, call finance. We're doing a taste testing today. Now, by us going out to the schools, we're getting the true feedback from the customers that are actually eating our food, and that's the kids. Uh And then we also, we've opened a cafe at our administration building. The goal of that cafe, we're working real close with our culinary department for the district. We want to start bringing those culinary students into our cafe to get that real-life work experience. Mm -hmm. So I've got a lot going on in this new role as executive chef, but I am excited. I am very excited. And it is quite a big job. I'm so interested in just like the massive scale yes. of what you cover. So how many children do you feed on a daily basis? Like how many meals in a year? Boy, so right now, just looking at our most recent numbers, we're right now, we're in our summer phase. Mm-hmm. But our last really big pool that we did as far as counting, we were looking at 155,000 kids. That we're feeding on a daily basis. So we're looking at pretty close to 100,000 kids for lunch, uh, about 50 to 55,000 kids for breakfast. We also provide supper for our after school programs. Mm -hmm. And then something new that we're also doing, Saturday school. Okay. All together, we've got four meal parts that we're responsible for getting out to these kids every day. That's amazing. And so how do you uh, look at the menus and set the menus and look at nutritional needs? Well, fortunately for me, we've got the most fabulous menu and procurement team in the land. (laughs) And that's just my personal opinion. Yeah, we've got a team of, oh boy, probably five or six ladies up there. Mm -hmm. And that's what they do to help with recipe development and things like that, because I can come up with anything. However, I got to run it past that team because if I come up with a recipe for Salisbury steak, well, they got to make sure it's meeting the nutritional requirements. Mm -hmm. So they check my sodium levels, for example, making sure we meet what the government has said we have to have. Do we have enough meat, meat alternatives? Is there enough vegetable? Is there enough fruit? Are we providing a milk? Mm -hmm. You know, these are components that 
we have to ensure that is included into every type of recipe or meal that we put out in front of our kids. So our assistant director over menu and procurement, she's a master degree dietitian. And so is two other women on our team. Uh-huh. Our supervisor over menu development, she's an executive chef as well, graduated from CIA. We've incorporated people that are not only book smart when it comes to this stuff, but they can get in the kitchen as well. And that helps a lot. What kind of creative things are you trying? You know, now that you're taste testing with the kids, what are some stuff they like? What stuff did you have to be like, we're not doing that anymore because the kids don't like it? Our goal that we've really been developing for the last few years, COVID kind of put a monkey wrench in a lot of what we were trying to do. You know, with the whole no touch policy, we had to go with a lot of pre-wrapped food and a lot of heat and serve type food. Well, we've got the green light. This upcoming school year is back to business. And so we've got initiatives going. One of them is our back to scratch cooking. We're bringing back the chicken tetrazzini. We're bringing back the real spaghetti and meatballs and things like that. We've got a really good recipe. It's a a cheesy taco pasta. Mm. It kind of reminds you of the home style hamburger helper. Instead of the beef, though, we're using ground turkey meat. Right. You know, our seasonings, we still don't use a lot of salt, but we're bringing back things like herbs and fresh garlic and our fresh fruits and vegetable program. We're bringing in our farmers because we try to buy local with everything and even our meats. We're bringing in the actual farmers to meet the kids and talk to the kids, just getting back to scratch cooking getting rid of those no-name brown box items and getting name brand stuff back in, you know, stuff that the kids will recognize. You know, our our school district, we've got enough families that are considered low income to where we're able to provide free breakfast, lunch, supper, Saturday school meals for every student in our district. And that's regardless of income level. So our parents don't have that struggle of, oh my God, I got to get this form turned in so I can get reduced lunch. Everybody eats free. Wow. I've gone to school in many districts. I've never seen where an entire district, especially one this size, can provide free meals for everybody. Yeah. It's a wonderful thing for our kids because, you know, a lot of our kids, this is the only time they'll get to eat during the day. Even during COVID, we never stopped feeding our kids. When schools were shut down, we still came in here and we packed meals for our students to pick up at our campuses. And so we would pack them a week's worth of food at a time. So they would get gallons of milk. They would get fresh fruits and veggies. Everything that they would normally get for a completed plate, we would pack them up a week's worth of that. And every week they would be able to stop by one of their local campuses and grab a whole box of food for the week. We're not going to stop feeding our kids. You know, and the other thing we have to take into consideration, our district, it's a very culturally diverse district. Mm -hmm. So if you go to our schools in North Dallas, you'll see a lot of kids from the Middle East. You come to South Dallas, you'll see a lot of African-American students. You go to East Dallas, you'll see a lot of Hispanic students. It's up to myself and our menu and procurement team to make sure we're meeting the needs of all of our kids. And once again, the only way to do that, 
we got to talk to the kids. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a it's a really wonderful district to work with because it's not all one idea, one view, one taste. Right. And so, yeah, it's a challenge for us to kind of meet the needs of everybody, but we're up for it, baby. I guess that also includes, you know, offering for special diets like vegetarian and food allergies. What all accommodations do you make there? Well, as part of our menu team, we have a dedicated dietitian and that's all she deals with Okay, is our special diets, whether it's allergies or we've got students that can't swallow. And so she'll have to come up with pureed meals for those students. Our special diet planner, her name is Adrienne. Of course, the parents have to fill out a form so that we know. Adrian gets that data and she works hand in hand with our cafeterias to make sure, hey, at your campus, you've got three kids that cannot have peanuts. Yeah. And she'll also come up with a plan for an alternate meal for them. I learned so much from Adrian and it helps me when I'm thinking of recipes hey, try to make it to where everybody can enjoy it. A lot of times if they're allergic to something, oh, give them a cheese sandwich. Well, that's not fair. They're sitting next to their friend eating chicken tetrazzini. How can we make it to where they can have it too? You know, Mm -hmm. so like I said, we've got a wonderful menu and procurement team upstairs and any crazy idea I come up with, I run it past those ladies and they give me the thumbs up or chef, you gotta cut back on the cheese. Well, I know you've mentioned supply chain issues a couple of times. Yeah, supply chain issues. I mean, it continues to be a problem for us. Um, Mm -hmm. For example, we'll get in samples from our vendors to kind of play around with. And remember I said our new focus is getting it out to the kids to taste. Right. Well, we'll get it out there. The kids will love it. But when it comes time to order that product, you know, our vendor they're having supply chain issues. So it's like, eh, we can't get it. And so they'll sub it for something else. Well, when it hits the cafeteria, the kids are like, that is not what y'all let us taste. What are y'all doing here? (laughs) And so the supply chain thing, it continues to be a challenge, not only for Dallas, though, for all school districts. You know, I know during COVID, we had a problem just getting plates. Our team came up with the idea of, hey, two days a week, we're going to serve food that don't require that. Yeah, finger food. (laughs) Finger foods, yeah. So we went to finger foods two days a week, and that kind of helped with our problem of getting utensils. You know, and it went over really good because finger foods, we're talking chicken tenders. Yeah. (laughs) Fun stuff to eat, so... Um, staffing continues to be an issue. We just did a major job fair. We got some wonderful, wonderful candidates. And so we're looking a little better going into this school year. Yeah. The district is offering lots of wonderful incentives. They're increasing what they're paying our hourly people. A lot of our employees now, their kids go to school in the district. And so getting a job with us, it's a good win-win for them, you know. So you know anybody that's looking for a job, Dallas ISD is hiring big time. I can see that you're super passionate about your job and it really fills you with joy. Why is it so important to you personally? What I love about it is the challenge of taking school food and turning it into something that the kids not only recognize, but it's yummy. You know, the whole goal of this is to get the kids to eat. 
I'm remembering back when I was a kid, you know, if I missed breakfast at school, my morning was just like horrible. You need that food fuel to get you through your day. If our kids aren't eating, you can only imagine how their day is going at school, you know? And so our main focus is to get our kids to eat, but you have to present them with things that they want to eat while still adhering to all of our menu and nutritional requirements. Right. And so my favorite part of my job is tackling that challenge. And like I said, you know, I know what the kids in our community go through on a daily because I was that kid. The fact that we're able to feed all of our kids for free, it blew me away. You know, mm-hmm. I was just like, wow. Because I remember, you know, when I was coming up, if you didn't have that 50 cent for lunch, guess what? You got the cold, dry cheese sandwich. And it's emotionally hard because you know how kids can be. Mm-hmm. They see you with the cheese sandwich. All of a sudden, you're the poor kid in the class. You know, why doesn't your mom have any money? For us to be able to just take that emotional stress away from our children, all the kids are eating the same thing. It doesn't matter. You know, so now you're not the kid that's singled out and sometimes teased. Or how about the kid that's just hungry? I'm sorry I don't have any money on my account, but I'm still hungry. How hard is that even for the cafeteria staff to tell a child, I'm sorry, you can't eat today because your mom didn't put any money on your account. I specifically remember that. It was hard for me as a kid coming up, which is part of the reason why I learned how to cook (laughs) because I figured, hey, I know we might have a few slices of ham at home. I'm going to make me and my little brother a sandwich to take to school because I know my mom does not have the money to put on our account to get the lunch that they're serving. And me and my little brother, we're not eating cold cheese sandwiches every day. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, Trina. Stay with us. Coming up in our next segment, Sarah talks with two Dallas women who launched a boozy coffee in a can. And we also talk about kolaches. That's right after this. Hey, listeners, this is Christopher Wynn. I'm the arts and entertainment editor for the Dallas Morning News. And that, thankfully, includes the food team that you're listening to right now. What I love about this beat is that food stories are people stories. Restaurants say a lot about who we are, our culture, and the health and well-being of our communities. If you want to help continue supporting this good work, it's easy. Just subscribe to the Dallas Morning News and become a member. You'll find a special offer just for listeners at dallasnews.com listen. We're back and we're going from school lunches to boozy coffee in a can, which I guess parents can crack open as soon as they drop the kids off at school. Uh, Reporter Sarah Blaskovich recently sat down with Dallas women Nicole Craven and Alexa Smith, who just launched Opre Hours, a line of espresso martinis in a can, to talk about their idea and how they are taking on a rather male-dominated ready-to-drink industry. So, like you said, espresso martinis are traditionally made with vodka, and it's funny because Alexis and I both prefer ours with tequila actually one a lot of vodkas are filled with gluten so we knew that would be a potential issue and then two a lot of people are so used to that traditional vodka mm-hmm. that they may not like a strong like tequila flavored right. espresso martini 
With the agave wine, it was our happy medium. And we also decided to do that with the customer in mind too, just because it doesn't have a super strong like alcohol taste like vodka or tequila would, especially when you're drinking it from a can. Another plus using agave is like technically it's an upper. So why not combine uh, an upper with espresso? It's a perfect combination. <laughs> <laughs> this is funny you mentioned this because one of the reasons why I didn't just drink a can last night is that yeah. it was eight o'clock at night and I thought, I'm to work today, you know? So I was like, to me, an espresso martini is like a really fun Saturday night after yeah. dinner and then you're going out, right? Like that, right. it kind of right. like jumpstarts your evening. And at brunch as well. So a lot of oh, people sure. have been geared towards kind of going away from the traditional mimosa and ordering an espresso martini instead because obviously it has that coffee and alcohol balance this sounds like a good trend story that how the espresso martini has replaced the right? mimosa for that dallas brunchers. i mean if you look around and notice that brunch like everybody's ordering espresso martinis replace the mimosa at brunch and then it replaced the red bull vodka for your nighttime energy yeah. red bull vodka's <laughs> out oh man those were the days tell me about the dairy free bit that was the number one thing when mm -hmm. going into formulation was that we wanted it to be gluten-free and dairy-free. Alexis and I just, anytime we are at a bar or restaurant, mm -hmm. we ask for dairy-free espresso martinis yeah. just because a lot of them do have dairy well, in them. And like a lot of, a lot of our consumers have, you know, that dairy allergy or, you know, they just don't prefer dairy. The classic espresso martini doesn't have dairy in it. Um, so we didn't want that in ours as well. When did you start working on it? If you can think back to the month and the year during the pandemic yes, and then so talk to me about formulating it. We technically filed our LLC in February of last year. We leveraged our connections within the restaurant, you know, PR space, and they led us to other people that really got us off the ground and connected us with factories, um, flavor houses. I would say the longest process for us was creating the formula. We probably tried 20, 25 different flavors because we wanted it to be the perfect espresso martini, not only for us, but for our consumers as well. Uh, flavor houses. It's funny because whenever we first heard flavor house, we were like, is this like Willy Wonka? Like you walk in. Yeah. It really is down to a science. We walked mm -hmm. in and everyone's in lab coats. Like it's yeah. very strategic and you can change one small thing and it can kind of change the way yeah. it tastes. And are those here in Dallas or in Texas or do you travel? We travel to California. So our factory is mm -hmm of California. Fascinating. I have written about, I thought, every corner of the food industry, but I do not know about flavor houses. <laughs> I like it. When is the official launch? So we are in a few retail stores right now, just kind of as a sneak peek, see how it goes. But the official launch is on Friday. So we'll be online in 40 states across the U.S. Whoa. We're in about 20 retail stores right now, to name a few, Pogo's, Berkeley's, um, Monticello Liquor, Lakewood Medallion, uh, Lakewood Medallion, Roots Market, Uptown Liquor. We kind of did a little sneak peek on Friday and right away within 24 hours we sold out. You guys are pretty young too, is that a piece of it? You know, that you can be a, a woman starting a business in your 20s or 30s? A hundred percent, yes. I mean, I think, uh, Alexis and I pride ourselves on being able to build this brand one and then build a product in an industry that is so massive, especially coming, mm -hmm. being one in our 20s and two 
not coming from a beverage background. Yeah. Every person we've met in this industry is a male, which is fine, of course, but there definitely needs to be more females. Um, I didn't ask you maybe a lightly unpopular question. Um, how many calories are in each can? 120 calories per serving. And two servings per can because there's two yeah. espresso martinis? Okay. Correct. And at a bar, like when you order an espresso martini, it traditionally has over 300 calories. So we definitely wanted to make it something that was less calories than mm -hmm. what you would get yeah. at a restaurant or bar. That was a great interview. Thank you so much, Sarah. And now we have a fun reader question about kolaches in DFW. Here's Jessica. Hi, this is Jessica from Sleep Happy Consulting. And I was wondering, I have a daughter at UT in Austin, and we love to stop in West for kolaches. Set stop is our favorite, but where can we find that caliber of kolaches a little closer to home? Thank you so much, Jessica. I love kolaches too, and it would be nice to get kolaches without making the trek down to West, especially when traffic is really horrible. So up here in DFW, we have a couple of favorite kolache places. I really like Casa Kolache in Capel, but Sarah and Claire, what are your favorite kolaches? I really like the kolache at Layla Bakery in Lakewood. Oh, yeah. They have... Quite a few on the menu, um, but my favorite is the sausage, cheddar, and candied jalapeno one, which is really good. Yum. And for the record, Sarah, you can dig into this a bit more, but they call them, as do many people here, they kind of call the sweet and the savory kolache, which yeah. technically only the sweet ones are kolache. Yeah, the pronunciation is a whole thing. Uh, which is very funny. Like it's among Texans and maybe it's specifically among Czech right. Texans. I'm not sure. But klobosnik is the savory okay. sausage usually and cheese in the middle of a doughy, lovely bite. Those are the ones that I like best for breakfast as opposed to the fruit filled ones, the kolaches that we all know. But I don't know if we use the right words or not in, you know, in regular ordering at bakeries, but somebody out there is going to say, did you know? Right. There are other words for these. And I want those people mm -hmm. to know that these three food people do know. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to add that if anybody loves like a breakfasty, savory thing, but is willing to go just a little bit of a left turn, I have a controversial idea here, uh, which is carte blanche, a place Claire has written about recently because the co-owner misrepresented the places he had previously worked. Well, at carte blanche in the morning, Amy LaRue, who is Chef Casey LaRue's wife, she makes really beautiful pastries. And if you like a kolache or a kielbasa, maybe you would like these. Um, so there's something called a breakfast pocket, which has some sausage and potato in a puff pastry. Ooh! And then uh, my kids kind of go nuts for their homemade pretzels. And there's one with caramelized onions and Swiss, which sounds like the type of thing that two and six-year-olds would turn their nose up against. Not these kids and not because it just is so yummy and looks so good. So for other breakfasty pastries, I love carte blanche's options in East Dallas. And if you're also interested in another option, La Casita in Richardson has some gorgeous things to eat at breakfast time. That's all the time we have for Eat Drink DFW this week. Thank you all for joining and I hope we've made you hungry for more. Also, we want to hear from you. We want to know what y'all are eating, drinking, trying, and loving. And we want your questions too. So fill out our form at dallasnews.com food or email us at eatdrink at dallasnews.com. We'd love to share your thoughts on a future episode. The show is produced by Natalie Kalmogun and Julie Fitz. To stay up to date on every episode of the show and hear more from our newsroom, just follow the Dallas Morning News wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you hear, please rate the show and give us a good review. 
Find links to everything we do at dallasnews.com listen. You'll also find a special membership offer there just for listeners. For the news, I'm Erin Bookie. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.